Shut up and sit down. When the Wind Blows is an education-inspired podcast bringing innovation to professional development. Welcome back to When the Wind Blows. This week, we are talking back-to-school boot camping. Uh, This is a podcast for parents, teachers, leaders, anyone vested in the world of education. Uh, I'm Erin Barnes, your host for today, and today we've got three co-hosts. I'm really stoked about this conversation. Uh, When it comes to back to school, I picked three individuals who truly know what is going on here. And so I've got Regina Bell, teacher at Epic Charter Schools. I've got Whitney Farmer. She is a director of teacher development here at Epic. And then I've got Skylar Shanks, who is a student here at Epic. Ladies, welcome to the podcast. We're glad to be here. Thanks. Very glad. So real quick, before we dive into the conversation, uh, Whitney, let's start with you. How did you get involved in education? And then how did you come to Epic? You know, I, I realized at a young age that I loved learning and I loved being around other people who were learning. And that kind of started at vacation Bible school for me as a student and then as a leader in VPS, and then it kind of grew to a church counselor and education in different capacities just kept falling into my lap. And I thought, okay, God, I guess I'll get my degree in that. And here I am now at Epic. And before Epic, I was in um, a brick and mortar school that, and I loved my students, loved my faculty, but my talents and my gifts, they weren't being utilized. I knew they needed to be used. And I had this desire to be developed. And I had this desire to be grown and poured into and loved on. And it just wasn't happening. And I started to look outside of this box that I was being shoved into. And I started to pray. And Epic just showed up into my lap one day, kind of like everything else had. And I applied. My family all asked if it was a scam, if, if I would have insurance, you know, all those crazy things that, you know, is this real? Because this was five years ago. And um, we weren't quite as well known as we are now. And I was like, yeah, I think this is going to be great. I feel super passionate about it. And here I am. And I think I'm stuck. I I can't imagine being anywhere else. That's awesome. And Regina, how did you come to Epic? And how how long have you been in education? Well, this is my uh, 32nd year education. And um, I know I've been in brick and mortar for 29. You know, when you're as old as I am, you lose count how many years you were in schools. But I taught in Texas and Oklahoma. Um, it's in a great brick and mortar. I have a unique background because my um, my degree is in music education. So I had taught music for years. And, you know, the good thing about music is we use a lot of things. We use history. We use math. We use every language to communicate. And so I, I was losing my love for music and I was losing my connection with my students because classes were getting so big and the schools were getting so big that I really started looking um, for other opportunities and being old, I needed to have those things that Whitney talked about, insurance and retirement. 
And a lot of my friends that I had taught with at brick and mortar had gone to Epic and I never heard anything bad. I heard great things. And it took me actually four years. I applied or I would fill out the application and I wouldn't hit send. And then finally one year a light bulb came on and I hit send and it was the best decision of my life. This is my third year with Epic and um, I've had great leadership, had amazing teachers to work with. And it's been a game changer. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Skylar, you've got the unique perspective of coming to this conversation as a student. How did you get involved in Epic Charter School? So in fifth grade, I decided that I needed a change. I was done with the public school. It was just too much. And my first year was a little rough. I had a teacher who wasn't my favorite, but the second year I found Aaron and I've loved it ever since. It fits everything I need to do like I'm able to do more other than just school like I can go out one day and not have to worry about school I can do it all in like three or four days and then have a free day awesome and you definitely weren't one of those uh kiddos who waited to the last minute to do everything right no sometimes (laughs) but Usually. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Okay. <laughs> We're going to get to the last minute here in just a minute, but uh, let's, let's dive into back to school boot camp. And so honestly, we gained 10,000 students last year and that's incredible to wrap my brain around. I know last week, We had 3,000 students, and as different schools are rolling out their plan for the coming school year, I mean, phones are blowing up, um, enrollment is is skyrocketing, and it's it's honestly a little scary. And so I kind of wanted to have a conversation that let these families know, and not just families that are new to Epic, but like maybe even families, Skylar, like yours, who struggled with one teacher and then you found another and things were different. And so I just kind of want to let families and teachers and and anybody who's new to Epic, uh, what they're in for this year uh, without having to get punched in the face with it later. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's see. Um, This school year is obviously going to be different than most. How does a new teacher or new student navigate this? Um, Regina, you were probably the newest of teachers. How does a new teacher navigate this? It's very different. When when you've been in a brick and mortar a long time, you're pretty confident with what you're doing. You don't necessarily... You're just on autopilot. Well, this is so different. You really have to rely on what I call the phone of friends who you call and want to help. And that's something I've really noticed about Epic is that not that other teachers aren't supportive, but here at Epic, I don't feel that competitive. Oh, my classroom looks the cutest. I've got these many kids in my class that requested me. It's everyone's out to help the students. And, you know, I was struggling with math at the beginning, like teaching some math. I had friends that that was their strong point and I would call them and say hey what do I need to do and so being a new teacher I think the main thing you need to know is don't be afraid to ask for help whether it's DDT or your phone a friend buddies that you need along the way all really important and and as well as your principal knowing what their expectations are and, and doing your work as you need to do it if you stay on track first step it's going to help you get your students on track and keep your students on track 
Um, I set very high expectations for my students. They know where they're supposed to be and when they're going to be there. And we all make mistakes. I'm sure Skylar's turned in a, a late assignment every once in a while or whatever. We, we all have. I mean, even, you know, the best of us have. So I think the main thing is establishing routine, making sure you have your own routine, your office hours, your sets, your don't let them fall behind. So if they fall behind, you don't catch them. And it's just like what we tell our students. you got to take care of your business and then keep on track with your students. Yeah. Uh, compounding interest um, is a topic we talk about in financial literacy. But when you talk about the capabilities of compounding in education, it can go both ways. If you do 30 extra minutes a day, you can be done with school early. If you do 30 less minutes a day than you were supposed to have done, you may need an extra two months to do the schoolwork that was supposed to have been done in, in you know, eight or nine months. So, um, Skylar, what's the best advice you can give students for this coming school year? The best thing I could say was make a schedule. Like, that helped me a lot. Like, whenever the coronavirus started, I felt way off track. But before then, I had a schedule. Everything was turned in pretty much on time. And I would make lots of goals. And if you don't understand something, just ask your teacher. Like, I was so scared the first year to ask questions. But now, like, I just text my teacher and be like, hey, um, I need help with this. Yeah. Whitney, do you have anything to add for teachers or students um, that are that are possibly new to Epic or even um, not new to Epic, but this school year may be different? Sure. I, I think, you know, everything that Skylar and Regina have both said right on point, and I'm probably just going to reiterate exactly what they said. I think, you know, first of all, teachers, educators, administrators in education, out, the reason most of us are here is because we want to put kids first. Um, and then after that, I think I, I always tell my teachers, if any, if you can't do anything, we can all be kind. So be kind to each other as we go through this. Give a lot of grace. We're all learning now. Um, the coronavirus, this pandemic, it, it's turned everything topsy-turvy. And we're all in it together. So as we navigate, be kind to, to others, be kind to yourself. And at the end of the day, give it all you can and work really, really hard. And I promise if we do those things, it's all going to come out in the wash. I know if I wake up and in my position, I develop and train teachers. If I every day ask myself, is this good for kids? Then I'm going to make good decisions all day. And if I do it kindly... I'm going to be able to sleep at night knowing I was good to everybody. And if I work my tail off, then I know I did all I can do. And if we do that, we're all going to be able to sleep at night and we're going to see growth and we're going to see happy kids. Awesome. So establishing a routine is something that all of you have, you know, touched on. Regina, uh, you have students at all grade levels, what does a routine look like for one kid versus another kid? And how do you help families establish that routine? All right. Well, all the routines, they're all different because, um, like, like Aaron said, our, our roster is very diverse. Um, you know, I'm not going to expect a four-year-old to 
be working at a computer from nine to one every day and strapped to the kitchen table. That's not learning. In the same breath, um, I can't expect all my students to be there at nine in the morning to one in the afternoon because I have teenage moms that work and they work all day or they work late and they do their schoolwork late at night. Um, I tell my kids to find their bubble. When when do they work? Um, Aaron knows uh, Regina is not good from six in the morning till about nine nine thirty in the morning or my bad times. Every time else, I'm I'm great. So find your find your good time, your block, and make that your that that's like your office hours. It's your job, and get it done. Get it done during that time. Now, I'm not saying that you know there's some kids that say they're going to be there from ten to two, and then it flexes a little bit less or a little bit more, or they do a project or things like that, but that's a given. If you can get a chunk of time, a block of time a day, and whether it's on uh, you know, on the computer, whether you're doing workbook work, offline, whether you're creating a project, if you can do it during those times, you're gonna find that you're gonna be more successful in your studies and you're gonna go further because you're going to be scheduled. You're gonna know what you're supposed to do. And, and the studies show that scheduled people are more productive. If you know what you have to do each day, I mean, I'm that way. If I have a whole lazy day, I don't get anything done because I think I have all this time in the world to do it. And then it's night and I played really good candy crush all day long. So you've got to, uh, if you measure your time out, you're going to be a, a lot more successful. Awesome. Um, what do... And let's go to Whitney and Regina for this. And and Sky, feel free to chime in because you've got a parent who has helped you navigate this. But what do parents need to know about a school year here at Epic? I mean, I think parents, I tell all of everyone that, you know, Epic's that triangle. There's the parent, the teacher, and the student. And if you don't have one side of that triangle, contributing it's just going to fall apart and the knowledge is going to fall out and I use that I use a visual of a triangle when I'm talking to my parents you know side of that triangle is gone well all the knowledge is just going to fall out so um, I think communication with each other I think parents need to know that while I while I may be the teacher or someone else is the teacher they're they're a key component they're helping their child learn they're, they can't just blindly not check in every once in a while it's just like thursday folders coming home in brick and mortar schools you wanted to check and see what's going on so whatever way your teacher sets up that communication whether it's a newsletter or whether it's a um you know a text chain or whatever works make sure that you're paying attention to those things um most teachers are not going to bog you down with a whole bunch of trivial stuff nine times out of ten what they tell you is really important and that's what they want you to listen to so read their emails all the way to the bottom. That's really important. <laughs> and, and reply in a timely manner. Um, my students know, and I'm at their call pretty much every time, except for when I'm sleeping. And I have two activities, OU football and Broadway shows that I go to. And I say, never answer during those. But since the crowd is going on and two of those aren't really happening, I'm, I'm there for them. And I want them to be there for me when I text them too. So um, it's teamwork. It's teamwork. I also believe the older the child, the more responsibility that child needs to take in their learning. And that doesn't mean that the teacher and the student, or the teacher and the parent back down. It just means that the roles kind of change a little bit in the progression of their learning. So it's using great skills because I think um, my own children that went on to college, they did great, but 
the one thing they had trouble with was time management because in brick and mortar, they were scheduled every minute of the day from 730 in the morning. And if you have a really active student, they have things after school and they know they have to get their work done um, right when they get home or they're not going to have time. Then those months went to college and then you go from being scheduled 45 hours a week to just having 15 hours of school. Well, they sit there and turn on Netflix and watch Brooklyn 919 and wow, five hours went by and now it's time to go take that quiz and I haven't looked at it. So I think that's the one thing Epic really does is it does set a time management and the older the kids get, that's a great skill for have, including adults. Yeah, uh, a triangle is a triangle, whether it's right, equilateral, or scaling. So uh, as long as the, the three sides are there. Sorry, this conversation got really dorky, didn't it, Sky? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I really agree again with Regina. Um, she, it's just like taking the words out of my mouth. Um, parents, families, lock arms with your teacher. They want you to, they want you to feel like an extension of them, an extension of this family that's all coming together to support this kid. And I think to do that, that means communication. Tell your teacher what's working. Your teacher wants to know your favorite subject. Your teacher wants to know that you love this curriculum or you love this workbook or you're so passionate about visiting this museum or whatever it is. Tell your teacher what you enjoy because if you're not enjoying your education, you guys, we're doing something wrong. School really is supposed to be fun. Let your teacher know what's not working. Let your teacher know if you are unhappy when you are reading, if math makes you cry. We, we want to know so we can make it better. And we can, we will. We have resources, we have tools, we have different options. We want to individualize and cater to, to your needs to make learning what it's supposed to be. But if you don't raise your hand, we don't know, and you're sitting in possible misery, and you don't have to. And, you know, I think it's so important to, to say it immediately to the minute something isn't right, the minute something is working, let your teacher know so they can pivot and so you can grow and learn. Pivots are great. Changing your plan, improving your day-to-day -day routine, that is what we want to do. We can pivot as many times as needed. And I want to follow up with that by saying sometimes your teacher is going to see something's not working before you do, and they're going to ask you to pivot. And that's really frustrating sometimes. Sometimes you're in a routine and you're checking things off your list and your teacher throws a curveball at you and says, hey, I know you really love working in this type of curriculum, but I'm not seeing any learning happening. I'm not seeing any growth. I'm going to ask you to try something new. New is scary. New is hard. But guys, trust your teacher because they're going to help you grow. They're going to lead you down that right path. So, so truly let those things be a team decision and just try it. Try those things that your teacher's bringing your way and let's see if they work. Let's see if growth is going to occur. Let's see if learning enhances. And if it doesn't, what happens? We pivot again. And that's okay. That's what learning is. They're going to meet your kiddo where they're at. 
and they're going to push them really hard at where they need to be. And sometimes that's really frustrating because growth is hard. Learning is so hard and you're going to get frustrated and you're going to ask yourself, why is Mrs. Bell asking me to do that? Why does my teacher want me to spend 30 minutes on math every day? Because they're pushing you, because they're making you better, because iron sharpens iron. Your teacher is going to give you those tools you need to be successful. They're going to guide you. They're going to help you navigate this journey. And you guys are going to make choices and decisions for your kiddos' education, for your own education. If you are a student at Epic, you're going to make them together. You're going to be so thankful and so much better for it. Awesome. And so I think a lot of that has to do with um, teachers and parents building productive relationships from the start. I'm linking an article that Edutopia wrote on that specifically, but there are strategies that teachers and parents can both use to build the relationship so that it just, it's not one um, having more say than the other, or, you know, it, it's definitely cooperative. Uh, thank you, Whitney. Sky. What should parents do to help their kids be successful this year? I think a big thing is if your kid gets behind, don't like dart on them. Just try to uplift them because like I know my mom would get frustrated at me and be like, you're getting behind like and like get kind of mad at me. And like that kind of just like put me down. But when she starts like uplifting me and be like, you got it. Like that just helps me a lot. And like she didn't need to check on like. As I get older, she doesn't need to check on in like on my classes as much. She knows like this is like my fifth year at Epic. Like I got it, but that really helped a lot when she's nicer about it. For sure. Um, Regina, talk to me about keeping workspaces sacred for <laughs> school, or I mean, as a teacher and and maybe even for students. I mean. Uh, you're in well, the during homes. the corona when everybody's home it makes things very interesting we were we were obviously out of uh closets here back in march and <laughs> april of this year so um yeah but um i think the main thing is you just have to have a space as for a teacher you've got to have room to work you have you have to have place to lay everything your grading your papers your computers i mean you've got to have room to move you can't just sit on a couch and, you know, throw everything on the TV cabinet. It's not going to work that way. Um, I think for teachers as well, it, it's nice to have a place that you can um, shut a door sometimes, you know, walk away where that's your office and you don't go there certain hours of the day to give yourself a little break um, because Epic can be a 24-7 job. It really can. And I know um, you see me sitting here. I'm obviously out of my uh, formal living room while we're in the midst of all this, um, there are times that I'm walking by to go outside to water a plant and then I end up in here on my computer doing work. So you kind of, it's good to have a spot that you can kind of shed. Erin's um, little she shed that she has in her backyard is the envy of all. So, um, but you know, with teachers, you got to have your, your space. For, for parents, I know that can be hard to find a spot in a house where you're raising a family, you're living to have that special, whether it's a special room you dedicate or a little, even a corner in a bedroom or a corner of a living room like I'm in, um, find a spot where that is the learning spot. Now, that doesn't mean you can't learn while you're sitting outside and classifying leaves and things like that, 
But if you have a spot that's going to be your area where you stay focused in that, try to keep it away from the TVs, keep it away from all the outside noise that you can. That's really important. But um, defining that space, use that just for school. Keep it away from all the gaming. You don't want your Ataris and your, see how old I am, I said Atari, your Xboxes and everything. You know, you don't want that in your corner. You want to keep that at school and keep it personal. And I think if you have those spots, you're going to be, you're going to be more productive. You're going to get more done and you're going to know what you're doing when you're in that space. When my husband sees his teachers in whole group, um, they meet and I know Skylar's got the couch and everybody knows here, like that's Skylar's couch. Don't even <laughs> sit there. Yeah. And so <laughs> I know here, um, you know, in her work environment, when she's with her teacher, she's got her spot. Sky, what what's your spot look like at home? I do my school in my bed. That's the place. Like, if I sit up in a chair, I'm going to be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so out of it. But if I can sit in my bed and be comfortable, I can get so much more done. So, Which I know some people need to sit at a desk, but I'm not one of those people. No, I definitely could sit in a bed all day long, but my husband cannot. Uh, so yeah. I think knowing, and, and I and I here's where I think a lot of parents will come into this with a very rigid mindset sometimes too, is like, okay, we've got our dedicated school room. I've got the maps on the walls. I've got the highlighters in the buckets. Like we are ready to learn, but then it may be exactly what your kid needed to get out of and why you're here, you know, your kid may need to sit on the bed you need to be able to be flexible in home to help your kiddo find that spot. But you also need to know that at the end of the day, you're the parent. And if that spot's not working for that kiddo, you know that too. And it's time to, to find a dedicated spot. I will say teachers need to know that walking desks are a thing. And oh my gosh, I don't have one, but I have a colleague that does, and she walks and works from that computer. Oh, I bet her back feels so much better than mine. Are you talking but about you Danae? Look into that. Yeah, she Danae. She a lot of like, miles too. She, yeah. Yeah. she like was telling us her mileage. It was pretty, pretty impressive. I could not do that, it, just so you know. She says it takes some getting used to. Um, but I can always tell when she's walking along. <laughs> now, when I'm having my deep conversations, like telephone conversations with teachers, students, uh, you know, administrators, I do have quite a pattern worked out on my back deck. And I know that all the students have seen me walk that pattern, like this zigzag <laughs> pattern back and forth. Um, I also have one here in my office. Um, but I, if I'm, if I'm working and typing and doing things, I have to be seated and focused. I cannot work, but that would be awesome. Yeah. I'm, I have to hunker down. I'm a hunker downer. I can't walk unless I'm on the phone. Um, so real quick, uh, what are some of your favorite ways that you've gotten out of the box, but standards have still been met? Let's start with you, Skylar. Well, like our podcast, um, for the emancipation, emancipation podcast station, that was something I was really scared of at first. And then whenever I started doing it, I felt like I was learning so much more than if I was just doing it like in a regular online curriculum. 
Did you uh, tell me once that history was your least favorite subject in the world? Yes, but I'm pretty sure that's where we started the podcast. That's exactly Because I was like, I hate history. It's so hard. It's so boring. And do you feel that way still? I love it now. Yay. Um, Awesome. Regina, what are some of your favorite projects that you've used? Well, I think one of my favorites is I had a student in credit recovery um, trying to uh, graduate when he was behind, and he had some electives that he needed to um, to uh, recover and take, and we took criminology. He was in the criminology class, and so we created a crime scene at my house and with the chalk outline and everything, and they had to figure out who the murderer was and and. We did with the little samples of like where the grass moves. So we brought in some environmental science on top of that. And then we did some history. It was a historical murder. So we knew the history of the historical murder. So we kind of typed in a whole bunch of little things into that would, would count for grades and, and different subjects, even though this was based off the criminology elective. And so we were able to combine it all together. And that was really a lot of fun. Yeah, people thought we were weird with the chalk outline on my driveway, but it was really cool. (laughs) There is a teacher at Epic that has done the same thing, but with Shakespeare. And she said that her students kind of act out the plays and do all the voices. Um, I love anything like that. I'm a huge speech and drama nerd. So anytime I could get a kid up to do some type of dramatization of whatever it was we were learning. I did a lot of things like that, a lot of acting things out, a lot of charades, a lot of, um, I had a student that did a lot of songwriting. She would write herself jingles to remember certain things, certain skills, certain standards, um, math, science. She did it for everything. Um, There are just so many ways to turn passions into learning Uh, it's um it never ends okay so sky this was before you were here at the house I believe but um we went through a, a year where the students would write out all their research and tell me what song they wanted their research to go to and then I would make it rhyme. And so I'd take their research and the so- their favorite song and turn it into a study trick for them. And so I'm going to give you, um, here we go. Physical properties are used to identify matter. Characteristics of matter. Identi- I don't even remember. Anyway, it was um, color, texture, weight, and size. Um, conductivity moves electricity form it shapes me and you anyway and then identify your properties and so we would just wrap up some academic vocabulary we did another one um I see this life like a swinging vine. That's a simile. Don't be blind. Draws a picture. Compares two things like a res. Now that's a breeze. Metaphor almost the same part of speech that compares two things. No association or resemblance. The world's a stage. Now let's all dance. Personification. Something like wind whistling softly. And an animate object like a broom or bear. Singing so quietly. 
onomad, onomatopoeia, snap, boom, pop, buzz, bow, wow, and ka -ching. <sighs> We need to get her a contract. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but that was, that was, again, student research. They chose the song, and then I would rewrite the song so that they would have um, study tricks. And that was just a way of getting outside of the box, getting outside of the curriculum, getting outside of lesson plans, uh, and it was their own way. And a lot of times, I don't think uh, teachers realize, um, or parents or students even realize, that you can wrap multiple things into those standards. I mean, the, the podcasting also takes care of listening and speaking skills. So while they're working on history, we're fulfilling the, the first standard of English as well. And so kids can receive credit for more than one thing, on an assignment and typically whenever I created assignments that worked outside of the box it was to fulfill multiple um, um, standards across the genres I mean Skylar have you had to give a speech here at the house yes <laughs> do you remember what you had to speak on uh, me and Ella did one I don't even remember what it was about oh, it but was why you could have multiple Instagram accounts and why parents oh, yes. should. <laughs> yes. It was very good speech. So we will ban things here at the house and the students have to write a speech and deliver the speech on why they think they should be unbanned. Um, and so Miley Cyrus was the name and every song was banned here one year and a student rewrote a speech, uh, or wrote a speech so that they could incorporate Wrecking Ball into their, uh, their song. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, um, so we've all heard that knowledge is power. Uh, Francis Bacon wrote that quote, but I kind of challenge that notion. I think knowledge is the potential for power. You have to put into action uh, anything that you have to create a lasting impact. And so, ladies, I really appreciate you coming here and putting action to not just um, what it can be, but what it should be uh, and giving people like foundation of where to start this year, because it's so helpful especially in a world where you are so new at it. I mean, and I would even say two and three-year-old veteran parents, students, and teachers still have so much to learn uh, when they're coming into this next school year. Absolutely. We're all just lifelong learners trying to get better every day. Yeah. And if anything, you know, that's what this pandemic has proven to us, that nothing is stable. Things are changing daily and and you just have to adapt as you go and make it best. Life is still going on. It's just different right now. And I think that's kind of like epic. We're a little bit different and we're working towards it and we're here to help. If, if we can help at any time, if we can be a part of something bigger, it, it's now. It's now. It's time to step up and help. Help everyone. Awesome. Well, that's all the time we have for today. If you like what you heard, go ahead and hit the like button and subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified each time there's a new episode. Tune in next week where we are rethinking how leadership and education can better prepare the next generation for a rapidly evolving world.